Well, Nemi, thank you so much for taking your time uh, for this interview. As we start, can you maybe uh, talk a little bit about your current role in the company? Yeah, um, I work for Pacific Dental Services. We are a leading DSO that stands for dental service or sometimes referred to as support organization. Um, we provide IT and business services to over 900 um, dental offices across 27 states um, in the US. Um, my role here, I'm responsible for um, IT and um, security. Within IT, I look after um, IT operations, core infrastructure, um, service ops, so all of the customer interfacing teams, as well as information security and, and governance. I understand, I understand. And can you maybe talk a little bit about your kind of career trajectory? What were some of the previous steps before, before your current role? Yeah, um, so my background is actually in electrical electronics engineering. Um, so um, engineer at heart, um, communication engineering, um, networking, signaling, those sort of things. Um, started my career, um, I guess, like most people in IT support, um, advanced solutions support, as we called it back in the day. Um, did that for a few years and then went into technical product architecture. Um, did that, uh, designing technical products, mainly around security. So remote access solutions, VPN solutions. Um, integrated Wi-Fi solutions when Wi-Fi was still a luxury for execs traveling. And I think I kind of switched over to what we today refer to as information security by accident. Um, I had a, a director come in and he walked up to my desk. I remember very vividly and he said, oh, I hear you the security guy. And I was like, <laughs> um, I guess so. <laughs> I I designed, now. <laughs> yeah, I designed security products, but... Um, security from a governance compliance, you know, um, overall program management sense was very foreign to me. Uh, but yeah, I took it, I took it up in my stride. And then um, what, 10, 15 years later, uh, I still do operations, thankfully. Um, so I'm one of the lucky few, if you like, that's got the breadth of um, IT as well as security. So I always joke, you know, my First thing I've got to do every day is get out of my own way and not be a hindrance to my IT operations team from keeping the business functioning whilst trying to keep the business safe. Certainly, certainly. And I mean, it's as, as you probably see from, from your own position, I mean, cybersecurity is just exploding in uh, importance, but also in, in, in attention from uh, all the way from board, senior level, uh, media. And I think as a result, a lot more companies get funded. And I think just as a space, it grows. Um, and a lot more people, uh, maybe more junior professionals or even students are looking to make a career out of this. And from based on your experience and from your vantage point, what would you recommend to, um, I mean, maybe... Uh, yourself 10 years ago, uh, what, what would you suggest those professionals focus on uh, in terms of uh, what to do, what not to do, uh, what to spend time on to kind of position themselves to succeed in this, in this space? Yeah, I think security is a very interesting um, career pathway 
because there are so many paths to security. You know, um, some people have come in through the core IT route, if you like, where you know they've either got experience in networking, applications, um, databases, and you know systems as we call it. So um, old MCSEs, MCPs, and, and so on. And then they make that transition to security. Others have come in from a more risk governance um, compliance standpoint. So more um, adherence to frameworks, um, compliance. Um, others have come in from a more, um, um, I would say corporate standpoint from a um, internal audit um, business continuity um, front. So there's so many ways to come into security. But the one thing I would say, and this is what I tell young professionals today, it is very difficult to be credible in security if you don't have strong domain knowledge in at least two or more technical areas. And for simplicity, I will just break those areas down as um, networks. In today's world, that will be core networking, that will be cloud um, infrastructure, um, application security, um, uh, you know, um, and then when you look at applications, you can then, you know, you look at app dev, DevOps and, and so on, but also just going back to core systems, you know, um, there is, it's almost impossible to, to say you can secure a house or a building if you don't understand the building plan, right? So um, how deep you go into the weeds in those different areas obviously depends on your, you know, your aptitude, your, your preference, your background, and so on. But I think to be credible in, in cybersecurity or just general information security, you need to be strong across some of those component domains, if you like, or constituent domains that make up what the modern um, infrastructure is. And if you look around um, most businesses today, that would have some, some implication for cloud um, core systems, networking, um, data center infrastructure, and so on. And then um, with all the regulations that we have in play, you also need to understand the impact of various government industry-based regulations and how that does impact um, security. And then I, I would add one final piece, which has certainly changed from, say, 20 years ago. And that is the role that a customer plays or, you know, the consumerization of security. Um, early on, security was straightforward, right? It was security teams sat in a room on their own. They made rules, firewall rules, encryption, access controls, and so on. And we largely you know, put these things in place, isolated or cut off from, you know, independent of the business. In today's world, the end user is so close to the core. You know, um, consumers demand access to applications, to their data on any device, anytime, anywhere, uh, on any network and so on. So the traditional approach of the security team simply doing what they want to do because they think that's the best way to secure the organization, that playbook is long over. So understanding um, where the consumer comes in, and I think this is also reflected in some of the, the roles 
that I have seen over the last, I would say, two to three years, there's been this um, um, increase in what people term a business information security officer, right? Someone who focuses on security, but really from the eye of the end user rather than from you know what traditional IT would would look at in the past. Makes sense. So it's kind of like enabling the business needs, but doing so in a secure way without being an impediment to innovation and to kind of business goals. I think it makes a lot of sense. And kind of in, in this vein is obviously with technology, with just the world in general, things are moving really fast and ever changing. And I think what's what's important and top of mind now may not be so in the future. It seems like if we talk about most important cybersecurity challenges, ransomware probably comes to mind, cloud security. Uh, pretend if, if you had a crystal ball and if you can see in the future, six months from now, 12 months from now, what will be the top, in your view, what will be the top three most pressing cybersecurity challenges I don't know, in a year, in one year's time? I think uh, you've pretty much answered part of the question because I think uh, malware isn't going anywhere. And, uh, you know, we, it's, it, it morphs into different things, right? It's, it's gone from viruses and now it's ransomware and that's a little more scary when people say it, but I'm just going to categorize it all as malware, right? Malicious software coming into your environment, whether that is via email, whether that is um, as a result of a, a phishing link that someone clicks on or an application vulnerability that was exploited and, that's got to be uh, number one or close to the top for every security professional. No matter how complex and sophisticated the world gets, that particular problem isn't going anywhere. Uh, the more we get um, up to speed with solving it, the more creative the adversaries get in, in morphing or changing or coming up with new variants of, of malware. So that will continue to be a big deal that we, we continue to address, especially with the dependency that we have on third parties, right? Even when you do the best you can to secure the applications that you, so to speak, have a good grasp on, you are dependent on third parties and you don't always know the software composition of those tools. You don't know what's being repackaged within those, those applications. And so as we saw with Log4j uh, recently, uh, that's not going to go away. So that's number one. The second thing for me would be identity. You know, for for some time, security professionals have talked about identity being the new perimeter. And I think that's been, um, if anyone needed any proof uh, with COVID and everyone going remote, everyone working from home, all of a sudden, if your security postural controls were based around knowing your user, Right, knowing your user's device, knowing their network, uh, knowing, um, being predictive almost in your user behavior, and that playbook got thrown out of the window as well. All of a sudden, people are logging in from all manner of devices. People are logging in from out of state, off network, you know, you name it. And so, being able to really say that Nemi is who he says he is, irrespective of what country is coming in from, what IP address is coming in from, uh, what device is logging in this morning or not becomes increasingly important. And there's so many 
you know, ways people are going about that uh, zero trust, sassy, and so many other things are being thrown around. But ultimately, identity is key. And then the third, I would just um, broadly classes external um, considerations. And um, one of those would be supply chain. You know, you, you look at, again, over the last few years, we've seen a lot of headlines based around supply chain and what the security industry, I personally think the security industry has failed woefully at this. You know, we, we most organizations, and there are some good examples out there, but for the most part, the vast majority of organizations still do what I call static point in time, third party you know, assessments. Meaning you're dealing with a new vendor, you send them your crazy, redundant, almost useless questionnaire with a hundred questions of how do you do this? How do you do that? Do you have a security policy? Do you terminate users on time? Do you have 2FA on your core systems? And of course, most of those forms come back and the answer is yes to everything, right? And then we file it away somewhere in an evidence vault and we say that we've done a third-party assessment. What privileges they have, what access they have to your systems, how they're able to, to manipulate, have access to data, um, privilege escalations, you name it. All the things that they can do within your environment, you have no operational controls to get almost real-time visibility into Well, we pat ourselves on the back and we say that we have done a security assessment and we've given them an assessment that may have been somewhat, somewhat accurate if you were really thorough two years ago, but doesn't represent the risk profile of the organization today. So um, that's several ways to solve it. Uh, but I think if we get a lot better at third-party risk assessment from an operational rather than just a corporate organizational level, um, I think those are the perhaps the three things that I would focus on uh, if that magical yeah. pill does exist to keep us all secure. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's kind of, it, it's it's logical, right? So if you uh, if your vendor completed a questionnaire a year ago, but they forgot to implement a patch most recently and, and they're exposed, then that questionnaire is not going to be a lot of help if, if they made their environment vulnerable and they will become an entry point, a vector that will, where kind of a malicious actor will get access to to your uh, to your environment. So mm -hmm. that questionnaire will not be not, will not be a lot of help. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so kind of switching gears a little, a little bit, I uh, here at Afinia, kind of our intent is to to create a community, well, as close to vendor free as we, as we possibly can, so that to provide various opportunities. Uh, for cybersecurity executives to, to share knowledge, to, um, to, keep, uh, to keep your hand on the pulse of uh, comings and goings, but doing so in a, uh, we don't take more of your time. I'm, I'm sure everyone, mm -hmm. as everyone in cybersecurity is extremely busy. And sometimes we, we succeed, sometimes we, we don't. And kind of from your experience, what are some of the things that Afinia uh, is succeeding at and where, where do you think we're, we're coming short and we can do better? Well, I think one of the areas you, you're succeeding at is that you provide 
value, you provide networking opportunities without being too in your face. I think as leaders and, and business executives, we get pulled in so many, so many different directions and everybody wants um, time with you, wants you to be on every call and every round table and, and all that sort of stuff. I think being uh, part of Athenia for almost two years now, this is our first conversation in person, which is great. <laughs> so it's it means I get value out of it without having to devote too much of my time. Um, the other thing that that you guys do, um, you know, just with the, over the last two years, there's been a lot of job mobility, a lot of people you know, losing their jobs and all that. So I think that's a real service that you you have provided, um, keeping. Um, folks up to date with opportunities available and and all that and uh, and i think that's been that's been very helpful um one area that you could perhaps um, um build into your program is what i would refer to as a resource toolkit you know you have a ton of uh, of leaders practitioners within your group i think there's so many uh that if you could maybe have a program some type of, um, I don't want to say incentive, uh, but maybe a system that that rewards people. Um, and I say rewards in quotes, it doesn't have to be anything monetary or, or tangible, but it encourages people, maybe is a better way to put it, to contribute. So for instance, if um, I have a good um, risk management tool that I've built internally, and I'm able to share that, then you know, um, have that released into the community because in our role, we spend at least 30 plus 40% of our time looking at vendors and they come and, you know, they do the, the dog and pony show and everything looks great, but it it's a whole different ball game for someone who has gone through the motions, who's gone through the evaluation, the implementation, the post-implementation support. And two things there, one, what vendors have you used and what's the, um, why would you recommend them? Not a, not a, you know, a sales pitch or a vendor pitch, but I have, for Zero Trust, I'm just going to throw that out. I looked at all of these vendors. I chose this vendor. Here's why. Here's the benefits. Here are the gotchas. And here's how we overcame them. That sort of frame, um, uh, format. And then on the other side, what things have we done internally? You know, I mentioned risk assessments, for instance. It could be just some control um, implementation framework or writing policies, something that you have created that is you've found um, to provide value to your organization. And of course, if you're able to share nothing confidential from your organization, you can you know remove all that and just have a vanilla template that you can contribute to the community. I think if execs and CISOs feel like they can come into using this resource to aid and improve their um, their roles, I think that would be a really good attraction point as well. Certainly, certainly. So it's almost like best practices and benchmarks, a resource. Yeah. It's not searchable or findable in Google where we can log in and yeah. see what other people have created in, in, in mm -hmm. this particular environment. That I think it makes yeah. a lot of sense. And yeah. obviously, like we... To your point, we want to create something that will be useful and helpful, but not to would not require too much information. So as we continue to, it's not the first time we're hearing this. So it's certainly something on our roadmap, and would love as we continue to build this, 
uh, muscle dysfunctionality. We'd love to get your your feedback as uh, whatever we bring to the to the community. You want to make sure that it's it does provide value. It's, it is usable, but not uh, doesn't doesn't take too much of your time. And yeah. on the vendor side, we actually we do plan one of the initiatives is to plan a um, we're planning a, a vendor directory. Again, it's only going to be visible for members, and it's meant to. Not to be like G2 Crowd with 10,000 reviews, but it's meant to yeah. be reviews by mem- members where you can actually see who that person is and ask them a question. Yeah. Well, you, you did the, you looked at 30 vendors and you put three of them in the short list and you selected one and, and you can make comments about what the experience was like because I think, because I think one relevant review would be more, more important and more valuable than 10,000 reviews from people who are not even in cybersecurity um, who were incentivized with, I know. Absolutely. Amazon, that's, Amazon $53 yeah. uh, gift card. That, yeah, that's why I was very careful when I said incentive because that's you don't want that. That is the, sure. yeah, you don't want people to just um, yeah wax lyrical because they're getting um, a little carrots dangled in front of them if, if they complete, complete the review, so yeah. For sure. And, and kind of on the... Uh, on the is, is there, there's so many sources that you mentioned to learn about cybersecurity, both uh, news, uh, resources, uh, various organizations. If something is emerging, whether it's zero trust or something that's kind of a new, I don't know, new threat vector, what kind of sources do you go to? Do you is it dedicated uh, specific news sources? Is it your uh, peer network? Um, your friends and colleagues, what's kind of your first first stop? Um, first stop is uh, peer sources. I think um, it cuts through the noise. It, it gets right to what works and what doesn't. So that's always um, my go-to. Um, the second is if you are fortunate to be uh, part of some type of, um, say, innovations uh, innovation forum, or um, there are a couple of them where you get to have um, first row, front row seats to new, new startups and new technologies and you can discuss in, in a very frank forum, tell them what works and what doesn't work. I, I also find that very useful. And then there's obviously the, the usual, I'll, I'll group them all into the same big bucket of you know um, trade shows, um, um, conferences, events, and obviously Gartner, Forrester, and so on. I think they, they do a decent service you just need to put in the extra work to read. And I think, uh, you know, I am one of those that gives Gartner sometimes a hard time um, on their magic quadrant. But I think if you spend the time and go and you read through the critical, um, the capabilities document, they go into a little bit more detail on the positives and the negatives. So there's a lot of resource out there. Um, I think you just need to um, you need to put in the work. No one is going to put it on a plate for you. Sure. And, sure. um, but th- those are usually uh, my sources to, to get information. Yeah. I, understand. I understand. And you you, uh, you mentioned vendors are reaching out uh, in kind of recent, re- in your recent experience, um, uh, what is for you the most annoying thing some of those uh, vendors do? And on the flip side, um, maybe without even naming names, what what is the one vendor where you did go through the process and selected them? Um, what is it that they do in the initial stages that surprised you on the positive side? 
I'll start with that. So what tends to work for me and what I appreciate when vendors do it is come in with a blank, a blank sheet of paper, come in with a clean slate, understand my business, understand um, what I have in place already, um, understand the challenges that I have and so on and so forth and work to build a program. And it's usually the vendors that think long-term about helping you achieve those long-term strategic goals. Those are the vendors that are worth working with. Uh, what I absolutely hate is this, um, I'm just gonna call them the ambulance chasers. You know, there's there's an announcement of, of malware somewhere and then suddenly every salesperson on LinkedIn sends you an email telling you they can solve every problem because they have this magic pill. You know, they don't know your environment. They've never spoken to you. Uh, all of a sudden they can fix they can fix all your problems and if you buy this you're never going to have this problem and i kind of joke about it and someday hopefully i have the time to do this we're really good to you know when we have this major um security issues for the organizations that have been impacted to publish a list of all the security vendors that they actually had at the time because so far the industry has done its back to front. You know, we always look for the one thing that we don't have that would have stopped everything from happening. And in reality, it's never really so much the tool is the implementation of the tool, the maturity of the tool, the, the security hygiene that the organization has. But then all that goes out of the window. And we, we talk about technology as though simply acquiring a piece of tech solves the problem. And every single piece of tech that we have as, you know, businesses across the world, we've gone through the same sales pitch of buy this and it solves a problem. And here we are um, running into operational issues or even worse security incidents and, and, and breaches. So taking the time to understand the business, knowing your customer, understanding your technology stack, seeing if you can um, complement, you know, what's there already and understanding why the existing technology may not have worked as you know initially thought, and then seeing how you can come alongside that rather than coming in and um, just be the the knight in shining armor to solve every problem and cure world hunger and, and everything else in between. It's just sure. it gets very old. Um, For sure, totally. I know we're coming up on time, and I I really appreciate the last question. I may have asked you, but. Uh, RSA or Gartner? I, I know they're happening sometime in June. Do you have any plans attending one or the other? Maybe neither. Um, RSA, no. I think it's become so much of a of a. It's just a big sales event, and so I, I no, will not be attending that. Gartner, I tend not to do the their big event. I tend to do more of the um, smaller tracks, like identity track, for instance. I find that very useful when it's a little bit more focused. So I might plan on doing the Gartner Identity or one of those other targeted um, conferences, uh, RSA, uh, definitely not. I understand. Well, I mean, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time.